So topics wise, I was yeah, going to talk, talk a little bit about the the uh, more like the philosophy of ecology, like like okay. more more coming from like a conceptual standpoint rather than strictly put, biological. You can't put two e's together like that, dude. We're not study, kind of, a study, all right? Study, a study. <laughs> the philosophy of ecology. There's philosophy of science, okay? Why can't we just... Can we do the physics of ecology next? Here yes. we go. That <laughs> is a lot more complicated. <laughs> all right, everyone take uh, biochemistry 450 and 451 from OSU. Oh, and I'm also kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Dan took ecology and... Yeah, and that was the shittiest fucking class. Because it wasn't ecology okay, at all. Why. Tell me why it was a shitty class. It wasn't ecology at all. Half right. of the time. So it was in high school they and for some down. reason... <laughs> yeah, no, right. For some reason, because of the whole child left, No Child Left Behind initiative... Right. They essentially just, like, had to teach us a bunch of, like, basic science shit to make sure no one was, like, out of the loop of basic concepts. Uh-huh. So we didn't even go into ecology almost at all. It was, Weird. like... We learned about tectonic plates and shit, and, like, oh, it was bullshit. No, it was a joke. I went in there wanting to <laughs> learn about all these different yeah, ecosystems. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I tried really hard to find, like, a lot that that could be, you Go know, contributed to. Fire. Exactly. <laughs> Volcanoes. Yeah. That'll be interesting when you go there. But it wasn't that. It was like, essentially, they just ripped all the basic shit you took when you go to, like, biology 101. Yeah, like a general science. Yeah, it was general like. science bullshit. And I was just railing against it the whole time. Well, that's class. a bummer. That's not what I'm talking about. And the mountains <laughs> watched Planet Earth. Yeah, we just watched Planet Earth, which was great. We literally watched <laughs> That sounds like so a lovely much. I like Planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show, but I, I honestly, having watched like both seasons twice, I wish that they went in more depth about stuff. You know, they just kind of like, yeah. here's a pretty thing, and here's a story about that thing, and then here's another thing over it here. It is kind of like the more generalized one <laughs> of yeah. them. Consumable. Yeah. It's like, isn't Earth amazing? Yeah. That's like, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. They yeah. do a great job. They do. they do. You guys all watched the second one? Yeah. I loved that bit when they were in the cities and, like, mm. uh, how things are. Dude, like the hyenas cool. that go through and, like, they compete over the territory that has the hole in that wall because they yeah. all walk in, they never attack people, and they just walk up to the butchers and they hand them all their extra meat. Yeah. And it's like this thing between the hyenas and the people there. <laughs> it's crazy. It's pretty insane. Awesome. And then that one where there's like just a group of kids walking down the road and there's like they have the like the night vision can or the infrared or whatever, and there's like fucking like jaguars or something, like right fucking there when they walk by. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, that's terrifying. You'd think the camera would have to do something. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, like if they uh, like, burn. Should we let them know they're <laughs> fucking... <laughs> like, like, no, they're tired right now. It's fine. Oh, be such a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, giant Watch cat murders. Watch children. <laughs> I can't imagine they anyway, would... Uh... Philosophy of ecology. Yeah. So what makes you interested in this? I think, like, when I was thinking about it and talking about it recently, I I think it's a good way to approach a lot of the issues that we are either having or going to have. And how is this related future. to, like, your studies and stuff? So, well, right now I'm studying ecological engineering. And sadly, I haven't taken ecology yet. So all of this is going to be kind of like my own research or, like, my own understanding of it. Gotcha. So there's obviously going to be some holes, for sure. But, yeah, I think that the... Coming from an ecological engineering standpoint, there is basically, like, to run down that real quick, there's not 
a lot of ecological engineers. And even if, like, even though there are some, there's no actual government supplied test to license them. So every ecological engineer has to get environmental engineering licensing. So there's not even really a concept in our culture for a ecological approach to engineering versus one that's purely from a more like chemistry based environmental engineering. So the difference, the main difference is that ecological engineering takes into consideration a lot of the biological factors that we interact with, uh, both like through our wastewater like treatment and our regular water treatment and also just how we harvest things in general. So this is just generally engineering from the point of view of being ecologically sustainable. Yeah. And actually instead of thinking, so like environmental engineering tries to do that too, but they try to do it by mitigating the negative like things that we put into the environment, the quote unquote environment. But the idea is that it's more complex than that. It's, it's more of an ecological approach where it's like, we environment usually is classified more as like climate and mm. the kind of like bigger acid, bigger ideas um, versus so, ecology is, is particular to where it is you're doing any of the engineering. So what is it? Right. What rivers are you contacting right. with? What is your, you know, what are all of your populations, your species? Okay. Your, well, I haven't heard this distinction before, so let me know if uh-huh. I got this right or not, yeah. but are you saying that, an environmental engineer is one who simply builds conventional things but tries to do it in a more sustainable way, whereas ecological engineers are trying to have, like, a broader picture of how construction is fitting into that ecosystem? Yes and no. So, definitely the second part. Eco- like, the ecological engineers definitely want to try to incorporate more natural processes. That's, like, one of the big ones is, like, they, they really try to consider that. But environmental engineers also do consider natural processes. They have to when they are thinking about how to treat water. They still treat water and everything. They do wastewater and they do a regular water treatment. But the big one is that ecological engineers try to utilize some of the resources that we have in the ecology around. So like, like the big difference is in environmental engineering, it's almost always like wastewater treatment is always, almost always in like human built structures Mm. that will be like, there's a process that they have to go through and we get cleaner water at the end. And maybe we throw some bacteria in there Mm. to help along that process. But in 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 ecological engineering, we'll actually use entire wetlands to process water. So we will make sure that we're obviously you have to be very certain that you're not putting anything like detrimental to the ecology around or into the water. But you are like, okay, well, we also have this resource that we're not using. We, we have it so that like our waste, our wastewater is like, there's a lot of chemical nutrients in there that could be used for growing any kind of life that can use it. And so what we do is we would like put that into a piece of land Mm. to actually rehabilitate the land. And you can, there's been a lot of like studies that will show the life increases in it. There's like more diversity and you can, let me put this another way. mm -hmm. So environmental engineering is just trying to make the things we build not fuck up the environment, whereas ecological engineering is trying to create a synchronization between 
civilization and the environment, so they're helping each other. Exactly. Okay. And I just, I don't, the only reason why, like, I don't want to bash environmental engineering because they're the ones who have well, been that's doing, yeah, yeah, a lot like, for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That's hugely so, important. Exactly. Mitigation just, versus actual synchronization. Exactly. Right. There's just so much, for me, I see so much potential in thinking of it as more of an ecology approach because mm. you get like all of these issues that we have today seem to stem from the idea of like humanity being the, not even like the curators, but like the, as though they're, they're removed from the ecology, they're removed from right. the natural yeah. systems of the world. Yeah. And which is part of the problem. <laughs> exactly. Well, this, I think it's for me personally, like, I think it's one of the biggest problems. Yeah. And that there's also a lot of potential for using the understanding that you can get from ecology and applying it to our social spheres that will actually help a lot too. What's so, an example of that? So like that, I think is coming from a place of, like if we just take like the bipartisanship and we can do like a super easy, like obviously overgeneralized uh, example of like bipartisanship, it's like trying to find if we, if we take for granted that those are two different populations, hmm. at least two different species, we can say, and they're all trying to live within a society. Hmm. It's trying to understand what those we can, we can look at those two sides as being like, predators of things or maybe in competition with one another mm. but we also know that in bio in e ecology there are a bunch of uh, symbiosis that can occur mm. so there's species that can work together in like commensal relationships and actually help both of them so like the idea abstracting society mm. and seeing it through the lens of ecology yeah gotcha. yeah and yeah, we were t talking a little bit earlier about not wanting to, making sure that we don't fall into the the negative, like, ideas or, like, I guess toxic ideas of social Darwinism and stuff like that when it comes right. to ecology because that that's also a, a leap that someone could make, but that's not the point at all. It's right. The idea is to understand that there is a biosphere and then there is, you know, your personal ecology. There's all of these different levels that come into play when you have to, when you're thinking about the world, the concept totally. of the world, but it is a framework that I think is especially beneficial to thinking of how you interact with people mm -hmm. and how you interact with the things around you yeah. and what other systems may be going on. So like the other idea that I think is really cool is like um, talking about like some of the democratic candidates right now are talking about automization. So like Yang talking about automization, um, that idea of when we, automate something it instead of it being a uh, process that's done by a human or like something that we like to call like our own thing you know like our own behavior we uh, we then take some behavior and we create it into an environment mm. so the idea of like we used to have to like dig wells and stuff and have well water and but now we've gotten so good at that that there's so many people who are living in a city who don't even know how a well works. Yeah. And they, and they have no idea of like how the water is even processed or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So we've taken a process that we used to have to know how to do. Yeah. At least how to go to a river and, you know, get water for ourselves. We took a process like that and we automated most of it. Obviously, yeah. there are a select few that have to continue that process. But we, for a lot of us, our thinking turns something that was a, a behavior that we used to have to do and turned it into part of the environment that you're living in. Totally.
So that was like another really interesting aspect for me because there's a lot, there's a lot of really interesting ideas that can come from that, like understanding what we're going to automate. What does that even mean if we automate all of our natural resources that are necessary for life? What would that even mean? Like, what would that, um, like, where would we then put our energy and stuff like that? There's all of these, these ideas that there, we want to do something and all of that can be found within ecology. Yeah. Different behaviors and stuff, different propensities towards things. We can like try to figure out why things do something depending on the, the environment that they're in. Yeah. And there's a lot of work with like sociology and environmental psychology and stuff like that. That's also trying to take those kind of concepts into consideration. So I just think it's a, it's a cool framework. And I think that it ultimately leads to a collectivistic idea, more collectivistic, mm-hmm. not, not getting rid of the individual because there's plenty of it in ecology showing that the individual is so important to a, to a, a species population, like being able to have a really cool mutation happen that will allow that, that yeah, animal or whatever species to be so successful that they recreate, they, they, yeah, they, they take over a whole new niche and will become this whole brand new thing, an emergence kind of idea. And so maybe taking that kind of idea and applying it in a cultural way Mm -hmm. to understand any kind of cultural changes that, evolve out of our current like social sphere and culture spheres as trying to think of like the groups who adhere to that kind of culture as an emergence and how do we how do we best how do how does like the environment or how do the collective species best incorporate that emergence Mm. to allow for the least amount of negatives definitely to come along with it yeah i i very much agree with that so yeah i think yeah that's really (laughs) the overall my thinkings on it you know there's i think there's a lot of more exploration that i have to do to make those connections tighter and really understand like practically what that would mean but one of the things that i think is is easy to pull from it is that it's definitely a framing situation where it's like when it comes to how inflamed some like like more nationalist thinkers or some even like far leftists who, who also have like a group identity and in group out group. Yeah. It's there's like that tendency can lead towards com- like competition between groups. Yeah, for sure. Instead of an understanding that we're all part of this system and how do we best, you know, make it so that everyone is, yeah. is flourishing. The, the whole fighting as opposed to a larger tribal identity. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, the the tribal thing is also interesting. There's, like, I would say that if you get caught in that tribal mindset, mm-hmm. that you're also not actually considering the potential power or even the actual power that humans have to affect the ecology. So, like, for me, it would be like, if you get into the point of where you've made your sphere of influence or that, that sphere of understanding to be even just like the United States, mm. it's like you're diminishing the, the truth of what, how, of how you're actually interacting with everything. Totally. Like if that's your sphere of influence is just like politics, yeah. like you're not taking into consideration how you're treating the, the world around you Definitely. in actual material terms. Definitely. So 
yeah, I think that that it's just it's a good way to make sure that you're not missing any kind of uh, framing, you know, any kind of worldview. So like being ideas. more of a humanist where you see like all of humanity as your tribe kind of a thing or the biosphere itself. Well, true. You're talking about. So like there's, there's this idea and even like, I don't know. I think that there can be some like religious tendencies to, to look at uh, humans as kind of like curators or like, uh, like protectors or, yeah. Some some sort of like shepherd of the land. You know, yeah, they have definitely. like they have power to reshape the land kind of idea or like to really change what it is that's going on. Yeah. And really taking that on and understanding what that means definitely. and really understanding the interaction between what like yeah, how humans can affect the biosphere, but also how the biosphere and everything, you know, within the biosphere can affect us. Mm-hmm. And really actually considering those. And like, I think that that's just more, I think it's more benefit. I think there will be more collectivistic thinking if that's the frame that you take on or at least mutualistic thinking. Yeah. Because it's like, we can get into these petty squabbles where we're looking on such a small frame that we don't consider that it's like that same idea of like, there's a tidal wave coming. And everyone's just worried about like yeah. how taxes are being shipped around. I think that's something we keep coming back to in our discussions is that idea that something we're missing right now that's so crucial is that like being grounded in that um, connection to the world around us that, you know, being parts of nature and, you yeah. know, that we're all part of that. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is something that I think is historically true too, because there's always like this idea of like, the um, like the apocalypse coming and almost always it has some natural component to it when it comes to a mythology and like you can take it metaphorically which i think is the most you know most useful but i think there's also a useful idea within it that shows that there are like if we look at pompeii or something like that where there are these natural forces that people literally just don't even think about at all and then they just happen yeah and there's like we know that they happen now so we can either like try to integrate those ideas into the way that we behave or we can have a you know an ignorance an actual like chosen ignorance to push it aside and then hope that it never happens yeah and it's you know that we're doing right now (laughs) it's so complicated though given that the solutions necessary to face it have such you know, systemic implications. But do you see, like, for me, I and I get the, like, and I, I understand, like, a lot of, like, the fear or the complicated, like, the, the worry that it's too complicated for us and stuff like that, you know, or, like, we're going to have to make a lot of changes. But I think that there is a huge amount of surety and confidence that we could have if we take on that kind of thinking. Oh, I agree. And I mean, the polls are saying that the people are getting more and more behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a majority of Americans in favor of a Green New Deal now. That's crazy. I mean, that's absolutely nuts. Totally. Seeing the, the strikes in the schools. Yeah, the global, oh, yeah, yeah. the youth climate movement. Mm-hmm. We mentioned her in one of our earlier things when she first started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta Thumb- Thumberg, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she's Swedish and she just like sat out on the curb and and refused to go to class and got a bunch of kids to join her over climate change mm-hmm. ended up speaking at the UN and then just recently I think like a couple days ago it was like global youth 
strike from school over climate change. I mean, it was a millions of kids. Yeah. Millions so of kids. Cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like 150,000 in, in Australia. Uh, there was another really big one in London. I mean, it was crazy. Greta Thunberg. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> it's nice to see kids, like, with the mass shooting in Florida, a bunch of kids were just like, yeah, they didn't go to... Well, they went to school, but then they were just like, they, they sat outside being like, we need something to change. Yeah. And I feel like, like, I feel like on that one, people got really critical of them because they were like, oh, well, their solutions suck, blah, 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 blah. To me, I, I feel like, you know, if you're having kids marching in the streets like that, it, it should be less like you're micro critiquing their solutions and just take it as a sign that something's unsustainable. Of course. Like if your children are rising up to say, this isn't working, (laughs) it should just be them. You should take it as they're telling you, you need to figure this shit out. If you're the smart one, you figure it out. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or at least the wise one, right? The, The idea like is supposed to be that the older individuals are wiser. Yeah. We shouldn't expect kids to have the solutions, but we should expect them to tell us when we're fucking it up. Dude, to me, and that's, I mean, again, that's, I think, the most, like, beneficial way to look at new, new blood or, like, kind of, like, the whole, like, liberal versus conservative side of things. It's, like, you try to integrate, conservatives should try to integrate things into the existing structure. Yeah. They shouldn't just retain the structure as well, it is. It's like, that's if you think not of it, it works, as your own personality, <laughs> it's, like... You know, if you have this emotion rising up that's telling you that something's not sustainable in your life, in mm-hmm. your reaction is to suppress it brutally, yeah. <laughs> you're not going down a good path. You're, yeah. you're going to cause more, you know, toxic interactions within yourself in the long run. Totally. And that's exactly what happens in society, too. If you don't, totally. if you don't try to understand and integrate and respond to those forces telling you something's not working. Totally. And that goes back to Howard Zinn saying, you know, the the voice of the oppressed or the actions of the oppressed is, what is it? The cries of the oppressed are not always just, but if you don't listen to them, you'll never know what justice is. Yeah, sure. And I think that quote's perfect where it's like, or Martin Luther King saying, a riot is the voice of the unheard. Mm. That kind of thing. Where it's like, you know, you need to learn from those outbursts telling you that something's wrong. Yeah. Well, and again, like that's it's also interesting that you chose because, like, for me, like thinking of it in an ecological conception, it's like you chose something that's individualistic, where it's like you like you chose like psychology, where it's like if you have something new, some form, a new form coming in or new behavior that you want to have, like that something inside you, an unconscious thing, is telling you that you need to behave this way, and then you repress it, then it's bad. It's like that same idea can be seen in the like uh, psychological ecology where it's like you there's a lot of different like psychologists who think in the form that each individual is more of a collection and an ecosystem of personalities than just one particular one Mm. which is obviously a a very different way of thinking about the ego Mm. but it's like that you have these aspects of yourself that all are vying for some time that you need Absolutely. to give some some kind of you know some yeah the idea would be like you perform some ritual to be a, like to pay homage to pay homage to the, yeah the quote-unquote yeah. gods within you the archetypes within you kind yeah. of idea and that so and they can be integrated instead of 
creating, you know, the dark closet where you hide the parts of yourself you're not okay with, which then fester and become all your problems. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Exactly. And the idea too is that like, for me, the way that I think about that is obviously if you take on that, that mindset of like, you have different parts of you that you need to satisfy, you have to be able to, this is where like the ego comes in, like a positive kind of like constructive mm-hmm. version of the ego. It's like you use that aspect, that conscious aspect of yourself to communicate between all of them. You're the diplomat. Yes, exactly. You have to be aware of all of those pieces and organize them in a fashion that will be conducive to all of them. Yes. Which again, that is, I think, the kind of idea that we have to, that's, that's where I see the ecology or at least like the human aspect in ecology that is most useful to so many things. See, I think that's a really useful way to kind of like put the ego in a more proper function is I think in our culture, we identify the ego as ourself, mm-hmm. whereas instead we should see it as kind of like the referee between sure. all the different parts of ourself. You sure. know, it's the one that like reigns over the meeting, but the meeting has many people at it. Right. Kind of a thing. Well, and that's and that's a lot healthier. I think that's where you get the idea of like the quote unquote higher self, like functioning right. from a place of a higher self. You're the one who's like on the stand listening to everyone. Yeah. And you're the one who's got to be the kind of like the ruler. You got to take on the responsibility of everything that yeah. comes to you because there, there's just a practical world. Yeah. And, and I mean, the goal of the ego should be to integrate all the different aspects of the personality as, you know, as, as healthily as possible. As any like leader would. Yeah. You know, exactly. you're a leader of your life. And when we think about what kind of leader we are inside our own minds, a lot of times, you know, we have various autocratic tendencies yeah. in ways we should be aware of. Well, and you say, and like, and there you can start, <laughs> you can start actually like, you know, thinking, conceptualizing politics or anything like that from a place of like ecology too, you know? Well, I feel like a lot of people think that the, the kind of people that like stuff parts of themselves into a box and pretend it's not there. I feel like those people have an idea, whether conscious or not, that their only choices are either to bend to the will of their feelings or to completely dominate them. True. And I think that's not true. Like no. I, I think the healthiest way is to be able to listen and accept all of the different feelings you're having and things going on within you right. without needing to let them have the last word. You know, it's like they need to see at the table, but that doesn't mean they lead the meeting. Kind sure. Of thing. Well, and I see that but some people, I feel like they go back and forth between one extreme or the other where it's like, sure. they either need to suppress it or like totally give into it. Sure. Yeah. And I like the way that I, I think about that is those are the two options that one has to take when they are either trying to control everything yeah. Or trying to allow chaos in. And the idea is that that those two things don't, there's no like, there's no line. Yeah. There's like, they both happen all the time. It's like using the example of like an uprising in society again. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between like a leader who thinks, you know, their only option is either to crush it or completely give in to their demands. Sure. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to be, you know thinking like what are the root causes of this and mm-hmm. trying to solve it but that doesn't mean you just relinquish full power to this thing totally yeah totally and that's i think where so like one of the concepts that came up when i was thinking about the ecology thing too is that there's like usually a tendency for people to take that exact same mind frame and put it towards climate change 
where there's like the repression of it or there's the people who take it on. And then when people take it on, there's like two ways that they usually go from it where there's like a constructive view, which I think is more shown in like an ecological engineering point of view, or there's the guilt point of view where everything that occurs is like, we deserve it. There's like some form of justice held for the destruction of humanity because we fucked up for so long. I definitely, I mean, that's, that's certainly one of the feelings I feel. Sure. I want to avoid that as much as possible, but I feel like if we fail to confront it, then we will get ours kind of a thing. You know, it's like, I mean, we've taken the planet for a fucking ride as long as we could and it's going to buck us off. Yeah, that sounds like justice to me. (laughs) Well, the shitty thing is that the people that are bucked off first are going to be the... The people not responsible for it. Yeah, so it's it's so twisted. Even like looking at which countries will get affected first. It's like the Southern Hemisphere, which has been under the boot of the Northern Hemisphere, and the Northern Hemisphere caused climate change, and then they're going to be the ones in the South who have to face the consequences first. Well, we get to have, you know, growing crop fields first. And like, <laughs> the thing that I worry about, though, is that that kind of mindset allows for cowardice. It allows for people... Because so? it, like, the way that I, like... Like, rolling over and accepting it? Yeah, and, like, also just, like, you're not doing anything. You're not... You're also falling into the arrogance that comes from you being the leader. Thinking as though you had full control over everything. It's like, dude, no. You don't have full control over everything. You can't accept pure 100% responsibility. Well, maybe they're just kind of, like, thinking about it from the point of view of, of... The collective of humanity. I know, you but know? do you see how, like, to me, that's where you get the idea, that's where you're not thinking properly, like, from an ecological mm-hmm. point of view. You've identified yourself with the collective, which is you just, you lost your your individual right. agency. power. Yeah, agency. Yeah. You know, you can do something, and even, the idea is, regardless of what you do, the justice is going to happen. You don't yeah. need to be the one yelling, justice is coming, because right. yeah, you're not doing anything. position to hold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I completely agree. And I mean, even if we think that's going to happen, we should align ourselves with whatever portion of humanity um, wants something better, you know, that's fighting that. Totally. You You shouldn't just roll over to it. Exactly. And that's, I think, that I would more aim towards that because I think that there is so much more energy had in that. Yes. Rather than the guilt, you know. Yeah. And you also, yeah, I mean, you have to you actually begin to consider the hard questions. So you begin to consider what that means for our resources. How do we politically organize Yeah. or, you know, through like any kind of government action, how do we do, how do we adapt to this new world that's creating? You stop having the fighting or like the rolling over or whatever. And you try to say, how do we make this work? Let's be constructive, not, just destructive you know we're already destructive you're doubling down on it by doing this yeah you know so yeah one of the other things that i also uh thought about was like with the whole hard questions is there's a lot of moral things that come with that kind of like guilt or like the over let's say like the overvaluing of particular parts of nature so like or even the overvaluing of certain parts of society mm-hmm. which is like the the concept of diversity it's like there's also like trying to really understand what that means and what's it what purpose it has will also allow you 
to relinquish some of the more difficult, I guess, outcomes that will be happening. So like the thing that came to my mind was the difference between polar bears and wolves. Mm. So like the fact that those two species are going, well, wolves are, you know, wolves will be okay. yeah, wolves will be okay. But the idea they're on every continent except <coughs> Antarctica. Yeah. And before humans they're the most successful predator on the planet. So Totally. <laughs> but we have we have had particular concerns for them because we've like actively even just something oh, going on. Yeah, I still want to protect them, but totally. Anyway. But there are those, there's like both of those would be having like let's just say that wolves are going extinct. That kind of idea just to have the conceptualization of like if those two things disappeared. Right. It's like there is the polar bear, which is a, you know, majestic beast that only lives in parts of the world. Yeah. And, you know, they've adapted to that scenario, but as the world changes, they're probably going to go extinct because they can't adapt. And they're not as ecologically important as something like a wolf. Yeah. That's, that's way more important. You know, so it's systems for sure. So, there is, there's a lot of like, you know, you, I, I'm sure we've all seen those little like memes on the, on social media where it's like the polar bear is dying yeah. and everyone rallies around that and says like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. we're terrible people because this thing is dying. And it's like, that's not wrong, but it's not all right either. It's like, there's always, there have always been species that go extinct and there's always been species that like will come out of new, new environments. For sure. So thinking as though this change in ecology or the, really the biosphere and climate is going to lead to the destruction of everything that is just not true. Like that's not what's going to That's happen. true. But I mean, who knows how many lifetimes before life recovers you know what true how empty is this world going to be for how long well who's to say we even create i mean what if we just keep fucking up the planet more past that yeah you know well and the thing with that is like they had years and years to evolve to that point it's happening so we might just keep cutting the grass so short that life never really recovers well, so that eventually as long as die. we're here, yeah, yeah. exactly, and, then other yeah. Things take over. and yeah. eventually the sun's gonna eat us. The thing is, like, that's the 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 difficulty comes into a more of a timeline thing, and it becomes into what is it that we want to do at the end? Yeah. What is it that we want to say? Like the sustainability idea. It's like, what are you sustaining? Are you sustaining every species that's on the planet at this current moment? Because yikes, dude, you're going to be frantic and you're never going to be successful in that. I think it should be less about that and more about just the general health of the biosphere, uh, exactly. our biosphere, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But the maybe bio- that middle ground between like that, that identification with the universe and that identification with the individual is yeah. to identify with our biosphere and to think like, we should be trying to make it as vibrant and, you know, diverse and healthy as possible. But And we don't need to worry about the, you know, the little details. We just need to work on its overall health and vibrancy. But, and I, I agree with that, but the difficulty there again is I'm worried of the people who will, like, say that that means we have to help create a ton of species. Not understanding that as long as you create an environment that is able to change that's more what i was thinking of it's like create that vibrant environment through which life can do its stuff sure you know but we don't really even know anything about that 
you know, we can, like, we can, we know, so, like, the idea of, like, climate change. Okay, we know of this, like, we know of a few uh, mechanisms that are working in the biosphere that obviously change things on a drastic level. Yeah. Like, we can, we know that if you put a whole bunch of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, things are going to warm up. But that's, like, we're talking on levels that are nowhere near as, like, diverse as even a soil, as even the soil. The soil has a like gajillion different species held within it, so it's like the idea that we like the, the for me the concept is we are gonna die, like humans are gonna die. There's plenty of adaption that's gonna happen when we're gone. There's like we had bacteria who just killed everything, cyanobacteria and diatoms that just killed everything, all species at one point in this in the world's history. Just by creating all the oxygen that we love. So it's like, there's, there's been complete changes of our biosphere yeah. that have still allowed for the vibrancy that we have today right. and that we have had in the past. Yeah. So not getting too hooked on this idea that every little thing counts, but trying to understand the overall mechanism yeah. Yeah. and understand the humility that comes with the fact that when we fuck up by putting too much shit in there, not being responsible by like not taking care of our earth, we're not the, you know, we're not to the point. We don't have the arrogance to say we're the end all be all. Yeah. Like we're going to kill everything. It's like, no, the world will be fine. You'll all be dead. I think well, I that's mean, hard. I mean, with like fires comes to, like that example comes to mind where, you need a fire to go through to make a forest healthy. Sure. And there's trees that evolved for fires that could, that, that their seeds there's waiting. survive. Yeah. 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 Fires. Um, and I think you can't germinate without a fire. So yeah. Yeah. And then earth is the same where like there's ice ages, there's things that naturally happen that kind of cleanse it. And then, you know, life happens after totally. A, you know, well, but I mean, life dies. it's also not necessarily true that Earth will, that life, that this biosphere will survive this. No, we also have, yeah. Because, we I mean, there are models where, Mars. yeah, where the, well, the, where the cycle just keeps going and going and going, and right. then the planet turns into something like Venus. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the scenarios in that, you know, that shitty end of the bell curve. True, but did, did Venus have cyanobacteria or diatoms already on it? We, yeah, we don't know. Because the idea, the idea there is that there will be a bajillion of the cyanobacteria. There'll be an insane amount of more extremophiles too because of the acidification of the It would be interesting to see but, a planet that already had a robust life profile and then turn into a, a dead planet. You know, yeah. could life still find a way? Like the, the most hardy, crazy. No, things. that's, I mean, yeah, that's usually that is what we, we find. We, we get astounded by what we thought yeah, but who's like, to say it ever goes beyond that? You well, know, maybe exactly. the environment's so hostile that it's like, you know, it's a rock with some bacteria on it. The only thing that tells us that it went beyond that is the 4.6 billion years that our planet's been around. Because it started there. Right. But we had all, the, all the, the proper things to allow them to grow beyond that. But maybe we'll lose those things. That's seeing those, those would be the important questions. Right. Would we lose those things? But I don't think we would. What are those things? Exactly. But that's where, again, that's, do you see, like, we got to the point of, like, worrying about a, a polar bear dying to worrying about whether or not the extremophiles yeah. that live in vents in the middle of the ocean are going to be able to get to the point where they create, you know, the vibrancy of life again. Right. You know, that's like, that comes from, like, 
the allowance of like going and actually asking those questions shows you first the whole history of the earth. Right. You get to actually understand from a evolutionary right. point of view what occurred. And then you also get to look at what is important, yeah. what's actually important yeah. in that. So that I, if I, if I, it, that would be like another one of those, like if I could just wish that everyone had an understanding of something, just like a basic of ecology. Yeah. I think would be. That's so shitty. Like the polar bear, it seems like it's just like a trick to get money. Right. For a I cause. think that's a big part. There's certainly a big part of it. That's that. But on the other hand, it's like, I understand people reaching symbolically. Yes. yes. For an example, you know, a beautiful, amazing, powerful, majestic thing that has given us awe since we've been on this planet. Right. And to say, we're about to destroy that forever. And we didn't even think about it. Like, on the side, accidentally. Totally. That kind of reveals the scope of, you know, the the impact we're going to have in in a way. So I get grabbing for that symbol. And I get like, that, look, this, too. This incredible predator, the strongest, most powerful animal, you know, predator on our planet that we used to worship as a god, we're about to accidentally destroy it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a great symbol, but Drew had a point of, like, if the polar bear did go extinct, would it have that big of an effect on the... I do think those are two different different aspects of the discussion, though. Because one's kind of just, like, what's the symbolic, emotional impact of what we're doing? And that's what people are grabbing at. I think it would be better to choose a a different mascot, though. No, that's why bees. They use bees a lot, and bees, I feel like, is something that's very important. Like, see, but that's like a more logical choice. I think cause a lot more emotion in people. I'm gonna say the way that I view it is like it's a really good example of choosing the wrong god. If you hold on to a god that we had in the past of trying to glorify this one animal, and we throw, we kill it by not thinking about it, then that thing is not a good symbol to live by. Don't don't worship that god anymore. Worship the god of bees. Like <laughs> well, yeah, take I mean, on a new a new symbol that will actually be potent. That's why symbols over time See, go but away. But I think that's the thing is I think a polar bear is probably a more potent symbol to the average person than a bee. Cuz it's like you have to explain to people the bee thing and most people understand intuitively or they've heard that bees are really important. Mm-hmm. But bees don't make people feel as strongly as like a big powerful mammal does. I I, I don't know. Argue. That would be interesting. I, mean, I think bees I are more powerful in well, a way. Well, they are, but only through that intellectual understanding of their importance. But it's also everyone interacts with a bee. No one, like I've never really seen a polar bear except in a zoo. It's fair. So there is nothing that... and. I'm not going to go to the Arctic Circle anytime soon, mm-hmm. but a bee, you know, you can see it pollinating. You can see it doing its job. Yeah. I think you can connect more. I just think most people it. don't have an emotional connection with, like, an insect. That, that might be right. insect. I think that a, lot is... of people, a lot of people just are afraid of them because the pr- they can sting you. Yeah. The difficulty here, I think, is... And they'd be afraid of polar bears, too, if they were around. The fact that they're far away allows us to just romanticize them. But. Yeah, that's a terrifying animal to be here. Yeah. Sure. But I think this is where, like, more like Joseph Campbell talking about different mythologies and also emerging mythologies come in, because it's like... If we look at science as like a worldview, as like a mythology that we're, that we're trying to understand, or at least trying to take scientific facts and create a worldview out of it, 
then we find that if you are more scientifically inclined, you will understand what the fuck the bees mean. Hmm. So that is the the truth that most people live with in like a Christian point of view or maybe a pagan point of view or maybe even as far back as like worshiping just animals, you know, more of a, uh, I forget what the fuck that's called, an animism kind of mm-hmm. a, a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. That is like, those might be more potent, yeah. but it's also the emerging worldview that seems to be the most potent, that will give us the most surety in living, seems to be one that's based in scientific understanding. And so pushing people towards the understanding of what bees mean, making bees be emotionally invocative. Like that's the, that's the like that kind of idea that I think that's I think a good, good tactic for. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. For my, sure. My biggest worry with the polar bear thing is what happens if the symbol goes away? Right, so people if you just give up if it dies. You the wrong symbol, yeah. and then it dies, and people are like, "Well, we lost." Yeah. Then you, then that's a huge mistake. Yeah. If you pick the symbol that's most emotionally evocative, that may be the polar bear, and then it dies, and people are like, "Fuck you, we're going to change it." Then it was a great choice, right? So it's more of like I, I see it as a importance by hindsight rather than because right. I, I that's a way, good point. If, if it works, it works, right? Yeah. And I'm more than happy to choose whatever symbol works. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, that's my biggest worry with it yeah. is that, that they're going to die anyway because we're too late to save them probably. And so when that happens, what's the reaction from See, the I, movement? I think that's why, um, you know, I'm seeing like this, this reemergence of, of the kind of wanting to connect with like the hunter gatherer traditions of like, nature worship in general. I, I see that that yearning for that emerging. And I think that's a healthier alternative where it's like you don't ground it in any one particular creature. Yeah. But you're just like it's still evoking like that, you know, the emotional, spiritual kind of connection to these creatures, their inherent value to us as subjective beings, and saying like, you know, look, all the logic and all that is important, of course, but like what does this mean to us that we're we're going to be losing all these creatures and, you know, totally. is that worth fighting for? Yeah. That kind of like, that's, I think people are trying to find the thing that, that the fire we can all huddle around for, for strength in this, you know, what's, what are we fighting for? Yeah. Yeah. Picking a diverse symbol was a good idea. For, for like just this. And that's why I think it's really important that um, indigenous communities are trying to take the forefront in terms of the climate fight. Cause I think bringing that cultural tradition could be massively beneficial to people trying to engage in this kind of activism. Totally. Certainly the ones who need that grounding in something like that. Yeah. So that's really encouraging to me, but there's also the, the concept and you guys might've just talked about this, the diversity of symbols for, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just saying, I, I, I'm, I want us to move away from like individual animal symbols yes. and towards kind of like, almost like a harkening back to that kind of tribal gatherer nature worship or love of nature. And that's why I'm really encouraged that indigenous communities are taking such a proactive role in leading the the fights over climate change. Sure. Because I think integrating that particular spiritual culture with climate activism will be a really important grounding for people in terms of like, you know, yeah, that spiritual, emotional grounding yeah i mean that's the 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 idea that i wanted to bring up too was that there's all there's there seems to be at least the way that i like in my own studies of religion or or mythologies is that there's there's always like your starter symbol 
And then as you study it and as you contemplate it more, it becomes something more. So like the idea of like the polar bear being something that the actual diminish the, the idea that there is a species that was on the earth that is going away and that may go away or will definitely go away. It's like, that is already, that's a big old chunk of existence. That's like a holy, okay, what does that even mean? I won't die. It's not, it's like the individual will die. Okay. But usually we like have a solace in the idea that the collective will keep going. And then you're like, oh, except what happens if all of the collective goes away too of that, of that particular individual. And then you're like, whoa, I have to take that on. Okay. So I think a lot of people, I think that's a lot of the blocks we find is people don't even want to go that far. Yeah. You know, the people who say like, oh, we couldn't change the planet. The planet, the planet's so much bigger than us. It's like, it's just not wanting to even consider shit, the, the possibility that that foundation is vulnerable, that, yeah, you know, that collective could even be threatened. Well, and that's where I think it's, again, the, the other, making it more welcoming to think that way. Like the idea of like creating a community that supports the existential, you know, crisis that constantly keeps coming up when we are trying to, again, adapt so much to, to a completely different world yeah. than we had conceptualized. Yeah. That's at least as West, you know, like Western, you know, Western thinkers or like European, like European people. It's like, yeah, maybe there were some indigenous cultures who are like mild, like, yeah, we can't even talk about how more advanced they are yeah. in thinking this way than us. But there's it's new for us yeah and having that commiseration is necessary having it to be like uh yo we fucked up for a while and we need to be able to embrace everyone coming into this new way of thinking and like really get around and like make an active change make the make those changes in the world that make make us start living in accordance with the truth and not this diminishing and not yeah. this guilt and not this, all these negative emotions that like aren't useful. Yeah. They're just not really useful I, in my well, opinion. Well, I think the negative emotions come from the lack of, of action, the, the yes. lack of hope right. in, in concrete action to try and do something. Because right. I mean, yeah, that seems to be how human beings respond to things is like they either get angry or inspired and try to change things. Mm -hmm. One of those two emotions Mm -hmm. or they sulk. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the things that populations do. Yeah. Well, or they, or they, there is the repression and the, just the adaptation to the non-change. They sulk in the repression. Yeah. They do. It usually does lead to, some people are fine. They're just, just as a collective, they sulk. Yeah. Sure. If you look at the society, you know, as, as an animal, the, the whole animal of society. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally. depressed. Oh, I mean, yeah, I would definitely, I yeah. could, I could see that, especially in our nation. Yeah. <laughs> our nation yeah. has like some of the, and, it, and our generation especially has some of the highest anxiety and depression. Yeah. And the question goes, you know, are they either going to get inspired enough or angry enough or some combination of the two right. where they stop sulking right. and they go try to change it? Well, and that's again, it, that again, like, this is where I think the interspecies, intercultures, inter whatever you want to talk about, like the ecology of it comes into play. It's like, what do you want this emerging generation to do? Yeah. Because like, that's what I would ask the older generations. Like, how would you like to have at least some impact on this completely different beast than you? 
Like, do you want to be able to help it take care of the earth in like conducive ways? Or do you want them to have to fight you for it? Yeah. Because if you think that they're not going to fight you for it, you're not in the world. You're not (laughs) in reality. Like there are already children like yeah. the little girl, like, or the girl, I don't know how old she is, but the girl. It's climate movement. Yeah, the, the climate movement. It's like, there's already children doing that. Yeah. What do you, you think that that's going to stop? You think that that's going to be no, like. it's only going to get more and it's going to get bigger and bigger. Exactly. You know, I'm telling you, all it's going to take is another global economic crash to line up with this building climate movement. You're going to have yeah. emerged international anti-capitalist and, and climate oriented movement. And totally. that's, uh, that's where I'm putting all my hopes, honestly, for big change. Sure. I mean, I can, I can dig that. I mean, that's obviously awful, but, the but the, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you dig that it. it has <laughs> to get there. You're saying it's awful, but it has I dig to that. I, I dig that logical. But yeah, also, exactly. That conclusion. The crash is going to be brutal. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't wish for it. I'm not like, Ooh, the crash. So the revolution starts like, <laughs> no, like the whole thing's shitty. Like yeah. it, I'm just saying what, is that shittiness going to cause that's constructive? I don't know, Dan. I think the way you've been talking. <laughs> Show us your basement. <laughs> well, and we get, we run into, again, some super, like, classical, like, just like, I don't know. For me, I'm like, were you really that naive? Like, were you really, like, for me, like, I think about, like, the Great Depression, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so we could have had it so that everyone was able to get food from like a particular area and we didn't have to have lines of people just like waiting to get enough food so that they wouldn't starve to death and that their families wouldn't starve to death. And we didn't like think that it would be good to integrate just being able to have food all the time to everyone. That was something FDR talked about was like part of his, his new deal vision was that, you'd have every community have like self-sustaining local farms so that the idea of like creating like that safety net outside of the traditional economy so that when that economy collapses people can take care of themselves i've talked about that's what i mean about rather than eliminating all of those forms of self-sufficiency and making people totally dependent on the system yeah but then when it collapses people fucking go crazy exactly Exactly. it's such an it's like you're so insecure about maintaining hold of your system that you ensure that it has no flexibility. Yeah. Well, it would be nice if we could rely on the system to not collapse. Well, that's proven <laughs> incapable. There are systems that we can rely on not collapse, but well, they're but not man-made <laughs> a lot of the time. I mean, the there may be man-informed. I mean, They're not man-made, though. What are you talking about? I mean, the statistics like, I'm, I'm, like I mean, the micro I mean, can collapse, right? Well, if we, we yeah, I, I mean, mean, there's no, been no human system I mean, so longevity. far that has exactly. Worked. That's what I mean. Sorry, <laughs> everything's sick. Maybe one somewhere. Yeah. We don't really know. I mean that there are there Except are the universe. Maybe we don't. Who know. knows? Maybe maybe every black hole leads to another big bang that happened in, and made another universe, and ours is gonna die, but it bubbled off into a bunch of other ones. Who knows? We have no idea. <laughs> We're inside this universe, so we, we, it's not like we can tell how this universe relates to whatever's outside of it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. My whole thing is that there are there may be like collapses of, of whole ecosystems that we know that happens. We do. And we also know that there are, you know, at least theoretically biospheres that end too. But we're talking literally like millions of years usually usually there's obviously some that just like you know 
some ecosystems that bloom and then go away very quickly, but not on the scales that we're talking about. Like if you, if you create a forest that is able to sustain people through like creating enough food through apples and whatever, or like being able to use permaculture ideas where you can have, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the coolest thing. That's oh my god, my the future is going to be split yes, between elves elvish. and dwarves. Yeah, probably ground dwellers and tree folk. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my. I mean, part part of my own romanticization. What happens to the men? The hearts and then the orcs. Then the orcs. The rampaging packs of orcs. Delicious. Yeah. Go for it. The, the, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the, I just think that there's there's a lot that we can do that would be an integration between nature and engineering and human engineering. Yes, that would, certainly. That would just be able to not, like, to so that we wouldn't have to ever Dude, yeah. worry about those kind of Great Depressions. Yeah, if like we that. could turn cities into, like, functioning ecosystems that are, like, intertwined with the natural ecosystems exactly. where we have, like, you know, large... Nice forests intermingled within cities and like communal fucking you know fruit areas and just like totally. all kinds of shit yeah, so the yeah. biggest thing holding that back is just the economical startup yep. right mm-hmm. and then just the ideas i mean the oh, one that so always nice. gets yeah. to me is like there's a company that for air conditioning they they do pipes underneath your lawn and it like naturally just yep. cools your well, i also so think beautiful. that Capitalism is a really poor instrument for constructing cities. Just like developing one step at a time based off of the profit motive in each step instead of having like a fuller vision of what you're trying to build. You know, I mean, I I don't know. We're supposed to have city planners that do that, right? Well, yeah, but they don't work very well. They don't work very well. They get paid off. They're super constrained. Roundabouts everywhere. (laughs) Look, we're doing our job. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, we need, yeah. I love thinking about what city planning could be, though, yeah. and like making everything well, beautiful and yeah, a lot <laughs> for sure. Well, their yeah. budget's probably just not there. Like, they yes, can, yeah, they can't really. Change. Yeah, we'd have to invest in that nationwide. We'd have to. Uh, that could be. I would love if that was part of the yeah more taxes. The Green New Deal idea. Let's raise Is that not? Well, to some extent, not that kind of like remake every city kind also, of thing. It's more like well, energy. We can't even do that if we wanted to. Making yeah, cities more sustainable. Are you going like, to down? Yeah, right. All of the all right, Everyone just hang out while we <laughs> deconstruct and restruct all your cities. Exactly. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. But adapting is, that's, you know, we can do. Yeah. We can, and that's the whole entire idea for ecological engineers yeah. is trying to figure out how to do that. The idea behind that is everyone has a lawn. And you lost me. everyone lost. has air conditioning, so you can, you can, and it's not necessarily a lawn. You just put pipes in the ground yeah. that make, you know. I hope it's not a lawn. Right? The idea. To save electricity that way. Yeah. Well, like, there's, I mean, fucking China. Lots of cool ways to do Lots of China, cool like, ways. okay, not that I agree at all with their, uh, no, what they emphasize in their choices, uh, but the idea China's that they're building whole cities before they need people to move into them. Pretty like, interesting. That's fascinating. If we did that, I've talked about, and obviously that. made cities in a way we'd actually like them, not just like fucking right. stuff people in shitty apartments to work shitty jobs, but like making these really ecologically sustainable, yeah. vibrant, you know, well, the, the, idea- the new metropolises of the future before people go there. Yeah, that kind of like pre foresight infrastructure development. It's just the way 
it's not practical though for how our government's set up. Like we'd have to turn it. It'd be very. It'd be very practical. And the way they treat their people, though, Dude, like that's yeah. no, no, for sure. Not... Don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating any of that. <laughs> but wouldn't there be a way for us to vote as a people to like create infrastructure for a post climate change world? Uh, Bill Gates is doing a smart city, I think, in Arizona, where that's he funny. wants to pretty much make it like energy depend uh, independent. Mm. And like have like literally make the perfect city with like all roundabouts, no, all roundabouts, baby. <laughs> that's what that's what's gonna fix everything. Well, the, the yeah, I mean, the idea for me is that we know that we're gonna lose some coastline. We know that there's gonna be millions of people displaced, even in our own nation. Yeah. And so we again, that's... just make those cities right there. Yeah. For people to go into. Yeah, we should be building and them not like killing right each now, other, and yeah. then <laughs> like ready to move people in. And cities are more ecologically sustainable in general. Like that's the more ecologically sustainable place for people to live because then you can have sections of the world that aren't touched by humans. Yeah. Yeah. To just sprawling. And at least we get a chance to like reimagine what our society looks like if we do it that way. Instead of like if we're adapting in real time, it's gonna go to shit. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I, agree. I definitely yeah. think so. You know, you're gonna have people in fucking tent cities. Yeah. Being way yeah. too short. Yeah. Short sighted. It's gonna be nasty. Yeah, well. Apparently, uh, New York is gonna spend like a hundred billion dollars trying to shore up their shore up Manhattan to prevent it from going away. Dude, I saw a fucking article where some scientists were proposing that That's we build dumb. like massive seawalls. Get into that, yeah. Like in the northern oceans to keep the cold water up there. Interesting. And they were like, literally, this would cost us less than the damage from not doing it. <laughs> So that's the scale we're Trump on right now. Wall. <laughs> ah, there we go. Walls in the ocean. That's yeah. To keep the cold water up in the north and shit. <laughs> like that. that so much concrete. Oh man. It was this big paper, and everyone was like, "This is crazy." And they were like, <laughs> "We crunched the numbers. This is the cheaper option right now, <laughs> compared to doing nothing." <laughs> that's funny. That's weird. I feel as though that that's just, they're not creatively thinking, but they may be practical. Well, but that's the thing is like, they, I think that was the whole point is they wanted to do something so blunt and unimaginative just to put it in a frame of reference. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Like we could literally build a wall under the ocean around the whole top of the planet. And that would be less stupid than what you fuckers are not doing right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Funny. <laughs> it's sad that it's gotten to that point yeah. where almost like like Drew was into the the Earth homes, mm -hmm. and it, it is an awesome idea. And even like I don't know the the problem with the ecological like engineers and stuff. I feel like we need something radical to actually. We can't just do small steps to get to sure that change that we need, or there's there's just going to be too much destruction. Yeah, I mean, I can I can understand that, but the thing is that that would be what they would be trying to integrate too. Right now, we're trying to just yeah. May, I don't know. I mean, I I'm just an intro, and as I just took the fundamentals class, so I don't know all of the cool creative ideas that are out there. But being able to take into consideration all the climate changes that will occur, and then try to make cities go to maybe like future ecologies, that's totally a possibility too. But the idea would be that that's at least longer term thinking than what we're doing right now, you know, 
the radical changes could literally like we've just in class, just in my ecological fundamentals class, they we talked about the idea that there's all of these water treatment plants that like we right now what we do is we create water treatment plants that are around some sort of you know water outlet so whether it be a watershed or an, a river and then we process water from that and then we can then we ship it through pipes to everyone right but the idea is that you could also just have wetlands in between each house that everyone could just go into and have nature just right behind you and that would be processing your water for you so you would actually have this like beautiful thing that you could go and enjoy the beauty of but then also have this extremely practical value of it giving you water so you get like this you know you get the very intimate connection between that that wildlife that's providing for you as well as the beauty that you are also in so there's that and that was just one you know one girl in my class just was like yeah I think this would be, and then we were like, yeah, that sounds like great. But the problem is, you know, it, it's more changing the minds of the city, right? That's like the big one is changing the philosophy behind city building. Yeah. And what people want their cities to look like Yeah, right now, they want them to look like a suburb, it seems. Yeah. They like boxes. That's yeah. what do I know. They like boxes, boxes. and lawns. <laughs> boxes and lawns. I mean, I think dense cities could be wonderful if it was done in a good way. You know, make it beautiful, merge it with nature, provide lots of public spaces that aren't, you know, commodified, you know, like create community spaces for people. I mean, you could make it amazing. Great yeah. public transportation, you know. Well, we know. I mean, the other thing is that it's not always about what people want. It's what they think is practical. So the reason why we have all the boxes and shit now is not because it's what they want. Like, if people had the option to live in beautifully, or, like, we know that... Gothic cathedrals. Yeah, or gothic cathedrals, <laughs> or things that are just based off of... stuff, you know? They yeah. did some amazing Nature. city planning during that time. Like we know, we've we've shown psychologically that things that are more naturally, that look more natural, yeah. people like them more. So like they just you, put out a study showing how big the psychological impact is of living somewhere beautiful. Exactly. That it's like this huge impact all around. I mean, you would be inspired all the time, right, by the beauty. Well, I think everybody's just, like like just like tied to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Nature and yeah, yeah. it's comfortable for us. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's also, like, one of the really cool things that I never thought about um, until it was introduced to me recently was the idea of, like, soundscaping. That's mm-hmm. another huge thing that people spend a butt-ton of money mm-hmm. trying to do, which is trying to take all of the sounds that would come from cars and things and take that away and make it so that it's quieter. Ah. Because they've shown that there's a huge psychological difference between totally. places that are filled with all of this noise, you actually get anxious. Of course. Being around all that noise, and so you have to, like, mitigate that somehow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Or animals. You threw a bunch of animals into, like, this horribly stressful environment. Exactly. And we're just all like, okay. But again, we... Ah! is <laughs> And this is where it really shows the power of our minds, because we are choosing that. You know, we're choosing that over. We're choosing to stay there, because we quote-unquote have to, but that's only because we've practically exactly. reasoned that we have to. Yeah. Not because we literally don't have the capability to yeah. go somewhere else yeah. and learn how to plant things. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's why I say one of the biggest things that needs to change is the philosophy because once we change that practice and once we change that mindset, the practicals will come, you know, it'll it's be just obvious. A totally, we need to make a complete change in our uh, priorities. 
Totally. As a society. Which is why I say mythology, only because it's, like, that comprehensive... Mythology is usually, like, comprehensive with symbols and all of these, like, rituals and shit that you have to do, right? And so... And that's also... I also take that from, like, Young and from Campbell, who say that, like, what are said. <laughs> that, uh... That's what's gonna need t- to happen. Yeah. Like, we're gonna need to create a new mythology, or else we're just gonna not have the energy or any of the psychic... Yeah, it's like well, it's it's foreboding that so much of mythology we seem to be making when you look at popular culture right now is about like the apocalypse as opposed to right. about constructing something else. It's about right. the end of things. Right. Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> for me. I get it because they want to destroy the thing that is, or that's, again, that's negative. it's going to be destroyed and there's nothing they can do about it. It could just be speaking to our collective fears. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, it could be a lot of things. If we're worried that's the direction we're going and we don't feel that there's anything we can do about it. It's, well, it's just like that fear coming out. One of the things that I was talking about with one of my coworkers was this whole, like the zombie apocalypse thing too, <laughs> is like, there's so many people who are drawn towards that and like thinking about the reasons why that would be, would be that people like they want the chaos too. Like mm-hmm. there's this so much structure that is so unfulfilling. Yeah. That, it is very unfulfilling. Yeah. That yeah. it's like, they don't know what, like they're like, well, if it all got blown up, at least I'd be able to try to figure out how to live. And then if a zombie killed me, I'd be okay. Like yeah. I'd be yeah. more okay with but a zombie I'd killing with my me. Boots on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the zombie thing specifically is interesting though, because if you just wanted to get rid of the structure and have chaos enough to take care of yourself, then it, like you don't need zombies for that. Right. right. But the zombies yeah. provide you with something that you have to fight specifically. Exactly. Like, yeah. Hand-to-hand, possibly. A very, yeah. It's like, it's a very physical thing that you need to do. Well, and there is, like, this visceral enemy. Yeah. Where it shows, yeah, more of your more of your physical prowess. Sure. I've thought before, I wonder if the zombie imagery, in a way, is kind of like our projection of our idea of what society has turned us into. <laughs> so it's almost like us fighting our own shadow kind of a thing. Like what, sure. what we've become in society. Yeah, well, there's and definitely... You think of us seeing it that way. Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it! There's, and there are, there are definitely zombie stories that aim towards that mm-hmm. symbolism, for sure. Yeah, that's... It's uh, hard. I, I don't know, like trying to instead... I don't know, like... Do, well, I don't know what to do with that energy, I guess. Like that kind of energy, I don't really know... I'm not very comfortable with that. So Well, it's going to be there. The fear's there. You can't. Yeah. I think the only way to deal with that is to transmute it into hope. When that means concrete action that's possible. Sure. To change things. Presenting a vision of a better future. Have you and seen. Fighting to achieve it. Have you seen, like, have you seen, like, historical evidence of any kind of, like, of that kind of channeling? Yeah. So, I mean. I think that happens a lot when societies reach that point where they're like degenerating mm-hmm. is like they're either going to collapse in a chaos mm-hmm. or, you know, an inspiring vision of a better world is held up and people can transmute that fear into hope. I think that happened a lot during the Great Depression with FDR, you know, and his amazing speech, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mm-hmm. He was speaking directly to that mm-hmm. and saying, no, we're going to transform that into a better world, a world better than anything we've ever experienced. You just need to believe and mm. fight and we will get there. Sure. And that emotional transformation, I think, is what allowed our society to continue. I mean, it was on the verge of collapse. Right. So that kind of thing. Yeah. I can do. 
not speaking, you know, to the particulars of what that change was or what ours needs to be, but right. that kind of thing. Well, like, I think it is just going to have to be the coolest part about FDR saying it was it was our president, you know? Yeah. And so they, it's a very, like, at least symbolically, it's a very potent political power. So you can say, oh, things are actually going to change. We have outlets now, <laughs> you know, we have outlets yeah. to make that change that we've wanted to. Whereas now we don't have that because... Well, it was a double thing, too, because it was like you had a sympathetic White House, but then also you had a labor movement bigger than it had ever been in our history. Mm. And it was the combination of those two things where it's like, you know, you have this organization among your fellow community members, and then you have a president who's on the side of those movements Mm -hmm. against the other forces within the country. So... Seems pretty potent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have a president right now that doesn't even believe there's an issue. <laughs> Which I hate that, where it's like the question where you, you meet somebody and you ask them, do you believe in like climate change? or Like it's something it's like, that you can yeah. choose to not believe in. Or do you, be- like, like, or do do you, you believe, believe the world's gravity? flat? It's like, no. Like, <laughs> not a question anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's ridiculous that we're still at that point, and yeah, that's why it's hard to have hope, and that is really frustrating. Well, you guys got to see the momentum building, right? I mean, shit. Oh yeah, build, something's building. It's not. It's not like we're just under the boot 100 percent right now. That like, really make me feel better though, because I, I, I don't know. It's, well, at least it there's feels like hope, right? There's also it, fear, but yeah, and it, and it feels like. <laughs> A vessel overpressurizing, yeah. rather than like a movement building into something cool. You know yeah. what I mean? It feels like it's just going to blow up, and then people are going to be insane for a long time. And who well, that's the thing is, you never know what's going to come out of that pot. Exactly. Well, again, this is where you get the idea of like whether or not it's going to be the molting, whether it's going to be you're going to shed your skin that you've outgrown, or if you're just going to explode. Because one of those things are happening. You're not going to stop the growth. The growth is going to happen. So we can either try to release all the bullshit, release all this like over-constricting systems, or we can just wait until we just like explode. <laughs> either one. Those yeah. are. It's not going to stop. You know. What's really scaring me is that it seems the way the ruling classes in different countries are starting to respond are some of them are aligning with this new emergent like neo-fascist movement on the right <laughs> as opposed yeah. rather than have you know even like social democratic policies happen their you know their response to the threat to capitalism is to align with fascists in some places and there are aspects of our own corporate elite who are you know interested in that development here i mean yeah that's that's scary Definitely. How um, many countries we have that are in like pretty high revolt status? Not revolt status, but you know they're like a lot of turmoil. It's yeah. it's going up by yeah. a lot. I don't Venezuela know exactly. Definitely, yeah, like, one that I'm thinking of, and then the Democratic Republic of Congo was pretty. Are you thinking crazy. like actual like not necessarily like France? Yeah, France having serious unrest right now. That's what I mean. Right that's what I mean. A serious unrest. Yeah, it's like it wouldn't be surprising if the headlines broke tomorrow and it was like, oh, 
they're like revolution has begun yeah or something like yeah it doesn't have to be like a violent revolution but yeah so france um poland's really bad i think Mm -hmm. hungary was getting pretty bad Mm -hmm. um brazil venezuela and that's not even talking about the middle east uh that place is so fucked right now syria is really fucked yeah well i mean we turned into a proxy war yeah. That's never going to go well for them. <laughs> we did it badly, too. <sighs> See, that's... Commit yeah. to it. Even setting aside, like, the cynicism of Empire, we can also talk about just the lack of competency of Empire. <laughs> 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 it's like, you're going to be Machiavelli. Do it right. <laughs> Don't half-ass the job, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's the worst. Half-assed Machiavellian <laughs> tactics. It's like there's between lawful evil and chaotic evil. <laughs> At least one has order. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. If one must have evil. <laughs> you just usually wouldn't get any chaotic evil trying to pretend to be lawful. That's like one of the things. Right. That's the thing. Is no, f- it's not chaotic evil. It's incompetent lawful evil. That, yeah. That's probably yeah, no. I know that's, that's and that's fair okay. too. It's just the the thing is like yeah. It's really the whole once you create a whole bunch of lies, it gets really 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 hard to manage all of them. It's yeah. like you've done that. That's what well. We'll honestly, see. the way I look at a lot of this stuff, and and this is just my lens, is that it's it doesn't seem like it's actually lawful evil. It's just that they think they think they're lawful good yeah and they think that they're actually doing good most right. of the time and it's just that but i think we have a different idea i think we have yeah. split strains <laughs> of, I, I don't know i feel like someone like cheney and like the ideology he represented and like that whole kind of like neoconservative like outright imperial magistrate kind of idea yeah. is more of like they genuinely believe that they're the evil them. is necessary uh, right. And so maybe they 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 say well, it's for the greater good, but like they embrace that. Yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like everything's a zero sum game, and I'm going to win. Well, so did Emperor Palpatine like that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like that Palpatine too. Palpatine was just like that. well, he's a sadist too, but yeah. But you got to make him dark. Depends on but that's what I mean. Is like he unified See, the, is, there's some, the galaxy, there's, right? There's also some canon in the Star Wars universe that. Uh, Basically, like, he had foresight of an incoming invasion that was, like, mm-hmm. this warmongering race that was going to come, like, And so he thought he had to unify the, the, and he, the and galaxy. In that, in that one, he actually did, and he militarized it and then fought them off. And it was like... Well. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> not saying that he's a good guy, obviously. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a lot more nuance. Mm-hmm. We don't There's, have any uh, prophetic visions. Right, right. There's also a similar world. thing in um, the Marvel Universe with Doctor Doom, where he, in some way, like ends up talking with this like all-knowing deity dude or whatever, and the deity is basically like tells him that the only way that like, humans survive in the, the next like thousand years is if he is like the leader of them or something like that, and so he's like a begrudging villain where he is trying to save humanity by being in charge or something like that. That reminds me of In Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. That one king. Tara, Tara Bung, oh yeah. Whatever. yeah. yeah. Just like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's exactly. He has yeah, the prophet thing going on too. Yeah. Well, but that's the whole calculation. Yeah. yeah. Talking about like 
yeah, you can, if you want to logic yourself, depending on the premises that you hold and the values that you hold, you can logic yourself into the reason why you have to be the god of everything. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, <laughs> you I wonder how, <laughs> I'm sure there are people in those positions today who view it as like, you know, they're doing it for the good, but I, I wonder what percentage of that is just a justification of their own pre-existing right. desire. It totally is, because the one thing that they never question is whether or not they are bad. Right. <laughs> it's always, it's all, they, it's not that they ever, they also, they just take it for granted that they are good. They're the good guys. They don't yeah. think about it at all. It's not yeah. coming from a place of like, they are the, you know, they, sh- they should be God because they are the righteous one. It's just yeah. that they've never questioned themselves ever. What's me? Yeah. Well, I mean, there may be some of those, but I don't think we can speak for all of them, right? I think there's definitely some people like that, but there's also probably other people that legitimately have questions themselves, question themselves and think that they are going to be the best answer and that they are. Doing if you right question thing. yourself, you're willing to ask people. I'm sure a lot of those people ask people, maybe not the people you want them to ask, but they still talk to other people. For but sure. yeah. I think a if you lot think of them sim- need to justify their actions with some kind of ideology because at some point in their psychology is a feeling of guilt and a recognition that they're not as good as they think they are. Well, we're talking about like a very abstract them. You know? It who is. Are we, who it are is. referring to here? I think mainly, you know, people in high positions of power in government and business. You know, See, I think the most ruling people, class, quote unquote. I think most people in high positions of power tend to have a much narrower view of the world than I think we want to ascribe to them. I think most people I think a lot in those of positions of power are like looking at their little their business and they're like, how do their I empire. how do I make my yeah. business better? They're not looking at it like, how do I take over more? See, but I do the think there's a decent chunk of them who, because they're in that position of power, they come to think of themselves as rulers. And so they do think in terms of that global, and then they're the ones who actively play that game because sure. they, they not only see it, but they, they like it. Well, regardless you know? of if they actually conceptualize themselves like from a higher point of view as a real, as a ruler, they are. That is well, exactly. effectively what they are. But we were talking about like the psychological differences between the, like how they perceive that. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what I mean. I, I don't think that like they actually consider themselves to be wholly good they just don't consider themselves they are not asking the question of whether or not their business is bad they just completely say i have to run my business and that's not i'm not ascribing you know the evilness of like understanding that i'm you know destroying the world in my well that is kind of part of capitalist ideology which gives cover to people in these positions exactly is the idea that you know if you're pursuing your own self-interest to the fullest extent possible, yeah. you are contributing to the greater good. Exactly. Because we said so. Because there's something inherently because good. Because it is written, and it is written, thus it is so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's more like if you're maximizing your profits, then right. you're doing it right. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, there's a and lot And that of, gives you the cover to just act as ruthlessly as you want and call yourself the good guy. There's a lot of companies that are, you know, breaking laws and doing criminal things and and I wonder how they justify it. But I think mm-hmm. most of the corporations that maybe don't they're not, they're like most of them are gray. It's not like they're doing anything bad specifically. It's just they're not doing as much good as we would want them to, you know. Or they just don't care about morals at all. 
I just think it's dangerous to do this. Like we're we're sitting in in you know in this little room talking about all these people as if they're they have the same ideology, they have That's the fair. same psychology, That's fair. and that we know what it is, and we have no idea what it's like to be them. Well, it's hard to separate like an individual CEO versus like you know what is the collective ethos of an institution that seems to act in consistent ways no matter who cycles through it. Yeah. Also, we have, we're not making a very specific claim. We're making an overarching claim that they don't think morally. That's fine. You don't think just because you have an idea of what value is, that doesn't mean that it's a moralistic thinking. It would be that if you're not conceptualizing yourself in a way that you could be taking advantage of other people or that people or that you could be allowing for a toxic relationship to occur in the world by you being a powerful person and other people allowing you to continue, whether it is in their best interest or not, that's just you not considering it. You're just being naive. Well, you're also ascribing your own morals to them, right? So they, they may have their own moral structure that they're adhering to. Sure, and that might be true too, but the the underlying thing that I'm trying to, to say is that there is, at bottom, you can allow your morals to change based on good argumentation mm-hmm. or, or different experiences or new experiences, or you don't question it and you, conti- you continue to act on your own dogma. And all that we can see is that there is new information out there, they're not changing, so it seems as though they have decided how they're going to act and they're not updating their moral Well, let's, let's be clear. There's plenty of individuals within that group that don't, that are different than that. But we're, we're talking about like, like the overall actions of a class, you know? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of things at play here that may, so, so when we're, when we're ascribing these types of ideals to, individuals in that class, right. it gets super hairy. Yes, it does. I agree. But when we're yeah. saying that the class as a whole is behaving like that, then we can't say why necessarily. Exactly. We can't be like, oh, it's because they're not acting morally. Well, well, they are, they're, they're just acting. It's not like, like this whole class can right. act as a collective morally because they're not a collective, really. They're a small, they're a conglomerate of collectives, right? And so I think... A lot of what happens is you have uh, you have the momentum of industry, for instance, where you have so like like let's take an example because this is getting extremely nebulous, right? So, yes, it is. So let's say that you know it doesn't look like businesses are reacting to climate change like we think they should, right? If you look at what happens in the corporate world, and in, in at least the corporate worlds that I've been exposed to, you have a bunch of people in a room trying to solve problems that are like what's, you know, there's a boiler over there that's overheating or that that one's going to break in 10, you know, 10 months and we need to spec out a new one. You know, they're not looking at like, how do we make our company better for the world? That's not what they're looking at. But that's not my critique even is like, I think capitalism is just not the right instrument to deal with climate change. My criticism, however, is these business forces using their power to buy the government to use propaganda to actively try to eliminate all the other options to deal with it yeah because those options hurt their bottom line right so i'm not asking them to fix climate change i'm not asking them to fucking get out of the way <laughs> and they're actively in the way yeah and that's my problem totally so and there, there's certainly instances of that like you know i i have no idea how the the people at exxon that that have, you know... How do they justify how, it? How do yeah. they sleep at night? How yeah. do they... Because they know, like, yeah. some of that... Who, whoever made the decisions to, you know, like, 
put out fake science basically and and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff like somebody there knows what's going on and is actively subverting it so that is definitely totally fucked up and that person i would say is 100 percent not acting morally. well but then there's also the actions of the capitalist class to as a class mm-hmm. take control of the government via just each of them trying to sway government officials with their money to do things that benefit their companies right Right? And that class action on behalf of the capitalist class to do that has rendered government totally incapable of responding to the will of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's that as well. Right. And each of them could probably justify it for their own reasons, but because they're all doing it, Mm -hmm. they've seized up the mechanism we could be using to solve our problems. Yeah. That is pretty ridiculous that we allow that kind of bullshit like lobbying and ob- yeah. obvious just like legal bribery it's like, well, it is yeah it's legalized <laughs> bribery yeah. who, who thought that was a good idea well, people doing the bribing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course of course <laughs>